Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 143 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumer is with me, the infamous Mr. Ayaz Sumer. How are you doing, Ayaz? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's dive straight into the review part of the show. Um, let's waste no time. Let's start with a card that actually happened at the Belasco Theatre in Los Angeles, California, USA last week. One fight to mention, it was a man that actually was on our show last week, an undefeated fighter called Blair Cobbs. He was 7-0 and with one draw. He moved to 8-0 and with one draw. A unanimous decision over Juan Garces, who had a record of 28-20, and now 28-21. and um, Rivera also known as Garces, was also cut on his right eye, an accidental head clash in the fourth and final round. So two two fights in a row where Blair Cobbs has been involved in a head clash that's been, um, you know, quite, quite bad to actually open up a cut. But thankfully it was in the final round here. And I think, I actually think it was in the final round in the last fight before this as well. But that fight, you know, that got... That got stopped straight away. This fight went to the scorecards. Thankfully, like I say, a unanimous decision over four rounds for Blair Cobbs. It was a last-minute opponent change as well. And the guy he was supposed to be fighting was supposed to be very, you know, inexperienced as a pro. I think maybe he'd had about seven fights, something like that. This guy, you know, this was his 49th fight. So... A big step up in terms of experience. Moving over now, though, to the Barry's Arena in Kazakhstan. A very, very bizarre, um, bizarre, bizarre fight that unfolded here. Bebu Shumanov, 17-2, took on Hizni Autunkaya. Now, Shumanov had been out the ring for over two years. He also retired due to basically being blind. And he came back with some money and decided to promote his own show here. He actually was a promoter as well as the main event boxer. And unbelievably, somehow, he managed to be fighting for the WBA World Cruiserweight title, the vacant belt. God knows how he was ranked. God knows how his opponent was ranked as well. A very padded record, his opponent. Um, his opponent's one big fight, he retired on his store against Christoph Glowacki. Um, he actually retired on his store here once again. It was in the ninth round. He was down in round one, though, his knee out and Kaya. His record now 30-2. and two. Bebut Shumanov, the new cruiserweight WBA world champion. Who knows how he got there? It doesn't matter, unfortunately. His record now 18-2. and two. Um, that's it for that one. Moving over now to the Save Mart Arena in Fresno, California, USA. The fight, of course, between um, between Jose Ramirez and Danny O'Connor. That fight got pulled off. Danny O'Connor um, really, you know, killed himself almost. And, and I say that quite loosely. I don't mean to, you know, be too harsh with that because he, he was seriously in bad trouble with his health. They were even saying that possibly his kidneys had fouled him. 
Um, he was in a real bad way. He spent too much time in the sauna trying to lose the weight for the world title fight. It was going to be for the 140 world title, and that fight, like I say, got pulled off the bill in the end. Um, it's a good thing, of course, because Danny O'Connor shouldn't have been fighting under such circumstances, and he was so ill that he basically passed out. And he was hospitalized, so we want to see him back to full health. Certainly, I don't think he should be at 140 if that's the kind of things he needs to do to get down in weight. But Jose Ramirez, unfortunately, he didn't get to fight just as all the other guys, his other rivals, are all starting to fight. You know, Regis Progre is going to be fighting this weekend. We'll be talking about that later on. And it would be good for the two guys who are arguably the one and two guys at 140 to both be fighting seven days apart. That's good. That's very interesting. Well, no, it wasn't to be for Jose Ramirez. But anyway, the show still went ahead. But the main event ended up being Igis Kavalauskis. Uh, he moved to 20-0 and 0 here. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Juan Abreu, who was 21-3 and 3 with one draw. Abreu wasn't a great fighter, really, on paper. And he'd never been stopped. But I expected Kavalauskis to probably get the knockout. It wasn't to be for him. He managed to go the distance, like I say. I didn't actually see this fight, but many people say he wasn't very impressed impressive but nonetheless he won a unanimous decision over 10 he also remains the NABF welterweight champion Igis Kavalowskis now 20 and 0 like I say uh, moving down the undercard once again here, Andy Ruiz Jr., the heavyweight who's only had one round of fighting since losing a very, very close fight to Joseph Parker for the world WBO heavyweight title. Um, Andy Ruiz Jr. got in there with the kingpin Kevin Johnson, the old wily heavyweight veteran. Um, very tricky heavyweight, tough guy to be honest, Kevin Johnson. His best days are well and truly behind him, but anyway he was able to tough it out. It was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. Andy Ruiz Jr. now 31-1, and one, and that's loss number 10 for Kevin Kingpin Johnson now 32-10 and 10 with one draw. Um, Andy Vences was on the undercard. He moved to 21-0 and 0 with one draw. He took on Frank Bialba who's now 23-3 and three with two draws. That one was for the WBC contest into America's super featherweight title, Andy Venn says, a prospect to keep an eye on, to say the least. And now the final bill to mention of the reviewing, like I say, there wasn't too much on, it happened at the American Bank Center in Texas, USA. Now this fight here, or this card here, I should say, um, holds great significance to not just myself and Iaz, but to the box hard followers, I guess. We actually streamed this whole entire card on our website, www.bank.com boxhardpodcast.com. It's not the greatest website, I have to say so. I'm not the best when it comes to editing web pages and stuff like that, but we did successfully have the fight streaming on one of our pages on the website, and a lot of people tuned in, I believe. So, um, yeah, it was quite fun to host our very first you know, our first fight card, and if I'm not mistaken, it was the only place in the UK that you could actually watch this fight, so I was um, happy to, you know, give this fight card some UK coverage, and for those that tuned in, it was a decent night of boxing. Unbelievably, it didn't end up happening in the end, I'm not quite sure why, I think the fight fell through literally about 
an hour or so before it was set to happen. The heavyweight, Oliver McCall, he was supposed to return to the ring at age 53. I don't think he's fought since 2014, of course. Um, you know, the, the ex-heavyweight world champion, the ex-WBC heavyweight world champion, the man that Frank Bruno beat for the world title that crazy night back in Wembley all those years ago, and also a man that knocked out Lennox Lewis. And then when he had the rematch with Lennox Lewis, I think three years later, or two and a half years later, something like that, he was crying in the ring and he wasn't defending himself. I tell you what, if you've never seen those fights with Lennox Lewis, that is something for the history books. Some of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in a boxing ring when Oliver McCall didn't want to fight. But anyway, he was supposed to return to the ring against a guy who was about 20 years his junior. The fight didn't end up happening. So um, I'm not quite sure what Oliver McCall does from here. Like I say, 53 years of age. I don't think he's got too much to offer, but he's a tough, tough guy. He's always had a fantastic chin, and he seriously thinks that he's got a chance of getting back to the top. So all the very best to him. Um, yeah, he didn't fight in the end, but that was a shame. I was looking forward to that, actually. Um, and just another thing. I was I was sitting with the, the current super flyweight WBA continental champion, Charlie Edwards. I was sitting with him at his sister's house just on the weekend. I think it was Friday... Um, I was with him, and we were sitting there, we were discussing Oliver McCall, he he, he didn't even know who that was, I was talking to him about some of the ex-heavyweights, because I don't think Charlie's the massivest boxing fan, especially in terms of the heavyweight division, but it was good fun, it was good fun. Um, shout out to Charlie Edwards, a fantastic day that was on Friday. Um, but yeah, the card itself, sorry for for going on a, a bit too much there, Iaz. Um, really, just one fight to mention at the very top of the bill. Selena Barrios, she moved to 4-0, and a TKO in round 4. It was an 8-rounder originally, but it didn't need to go 8 rounds. The opponent in the other corner, they were billing her from the same nation as Gennady Golovkin. Her name was Ida Salty Baldinova. She was actually 3-0 and also with one draw, so both ladies were undefeated. Selena Barrios managed to absolutely almost decapitate this lady here with a humongous left hook knockout. And I've got to say, it was one of the most brutal knockouts I've seen this year. And, you know, to see that from a lady, that was something special. You don't see that too much in the female side of the sport. Um, we do see it here and there, don't get me wrong. We do see it here and there, but a real brilliant knockout there from Selena Barrios. She's now, like I say, 4-0. and We will be speaking to her brother, who's also an undefeated professional in the men's ranks, of course, later on in the show. But that's really it for the reviewing. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do, of course, is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning IBF and WBC super middleweight world champion. And she doesn't just rule one weight division, oh no. She's also the IBF and WBA middleweight world champion also. It's the golden girl, Miss Clarissa Shields. Clarissa, welcome back on the show. <laughs> Thank you. You like that intro? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so Clarissa, we last spoke back in January at the time you were fresh off your win over Tory Nelson. Of course you you know, you then decided to move down in weight, which can be very difficult. It can be very tricky to do sometimes. Firstly, before we get on to uh -huh. the fight itself, how did your body feel after going down to one sixty? How comfortable or uncomfortable was it to make the weight? Well, I had never been that big and been that inactive for that long before. So fighting from January till June, I had all that time just really to just really lay around and really wait for a fight day. And I didn't realize how big I was because my body didn't show. But I got as big as 183. 
And uh, I was walking around at 183 without even knowing it. So once it was seven weeks out from the fight and they gave me the fight date, um, I, I, went, I got in the gym, I went to work, and um, I lost the first maybe 10, 12 pounds easy, but then the rest of the weight was pretty difficult. I mean, once I hit 163 pounds, I was like, oh, shit. You know, I was kind of, uh, I was lightheaded sometimes, um, and the last three pounds would not come off. And uh, I really had to fight to get that last two, uh, the last three pounds off to make one, to make one, uh, one uh, sixty for the weigh in. I ended up weighing one fifty nine point six the day of the weigh in, and um, yeah, it was it, it was it was a strange feeling. And I think that I could, I think I did a great job with my nutrition, but I also know that um, I need more help with it. Like you know, I've always been the person to control my own life and cook for myself and do things for myself. But I definitely. Um, getting uh, getting a nutrition for my next camp um, because my next fight's big as hammer, but overall it doesn't matter how my body feels. I go in there and I perform, and uh, that's exactly what I did. But it was a little difficult. Okay, so obviously, like I say, you've still got your belts at super middle and middleweight. Um, I wanted to ask you, even though you just kind of said there that you know you're hoping for the hammer fight next. Will we see you, do you believe, for the foreseeable future at middleweight? Or do you reckon, um, you know, in the very near future, you'll probably probably go back up to super middle? No, no, I'm, I definitely have a goal to be a three-division time world champion. So 154 is the weight class that I can make. Um, being, at, being at 160 pounds, like I said, it was difficult getting the last three pounds off, but that's because I was so inactive and I had gotten to 183. But I don't think I'll have those problems again. Um I think the fight's been three weeks away. I'm only 169 pounds, and uh, I've been eating whatever I want. But I'm definitely um, investing in a, up in the nutritionist, and we're going to do a better job at my diet than what I did before. Because it was just me, me by myself. But um, when I did speak to a nutritionist, which was like maybe last week, I told her my diet and my routine, and there's a and there's a few things that we need to fix that. Um, went into how I felt for the fight at 160, which can make me feel a lot better, and we'll be able to make 54 comfortable. Okay. So I'm definitely still looking at going to 54. Okay, that really is ambitious. So I wish you the best of luck with that. Um, the Thank fight, you. the fight itself now, Clarissa. Obviously, it was just over two weeks ago against Hannah Gabriel's in your hometown state of Michigan. In the very first round, you found yourself on the canvas. It seemed to be from a right uppercut that you had a little bit of a delayed reaction to. What actually happened there? Were you caught cold? Was the punch just simply a good punch? Just explain to us how you ended up on the deck momentarily. Um, well, if you watch the fight, I didn't go down from an uppercut. The uppercut actually hit my glove in the, I believe it was the hook that she threw, probably hit me like a little bit on top of the head, but I was off balance. I just threw a one, two, three, and I had pulled too far with my uh, hook over to the right. And um, I don't know where my foot placement was at, but I, it was more of off balance because when I fell on the ground, I kind of looked and I was wondering, how the hell you get down here? Because I wasn't hurt. I was able to get right back up, I, and I still had my legs. I wasn't dizzy, and uh, it was it was more of a flash knockdown. It wasn't anything that I really considered that hurt me. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Now, of course, you did, however, get back up and dominate the remainder of the fight, winning unanimously Absolutely. over 10 rounds. Would you rate that as your hardest fight of your pro career thus far? I know you thought it was going to be going in, but afterwards, would you say it was the hardest fight of your pro career? Uh, so far, I guess I can. But just like I was saying before, she was a three-time world champion. Uh, you know, she had a few years under her belt, 
Um, and she had a great record of 18-1-1, and she also avenged her one loss she had at the time. And so I, I went I, I went to the ring with a lot of respect for her. Like, um, I trained super hard for the fight, and I didn't underestimate her. And I did what I was supposed to be to be prepared. And uh, no fun was looking forward to me getting knocked down. It, uh, it was a it was a shock to me, um, my coach, my family, everybody. But um, everybody knows me and knows that um, I'm a warrior. And if and if you want to fight, and uh, that's what we're here to do. We're not gonna let just some flash knockdown change the show. Uh, the the uh, the uh, fight goes on, and I kicked up on her every round, and I beat the brakes off of her to win the unanimous decision. You certainly did. Now, I know that you've not really put a foot wrong as a professional. You've been completely flawless, and to be honest, you you've been completely flawless, flawless really. Aside from that one, that one fight in the amateurs um, that we don't have to mention really. But is that the first time you've been down on the canvas, Clarissa, at all? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, and uh, and uh, and like I said, I've been I've been hit by bigger and stronger people, so it, it wasn't a shot that hurt me. It more was. One of those flash knockdowns that um, I never really experienced before. Um, it wasn't something that shook me. Like I've been hit where I've seen stars before, and um, but I, I've never been dropped. I haven't been dropped with a body shot. I haven't been dropped with a head shot. Um, I've never been stung or fell or anything like that. It was more of like a shot that caught me off balance, and um, that was it, <laughs> really. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You've had six fights now in total, Clarissa. You've you've won the NABF title in your second fight, the WBC silver in your third fight, the IBF and WBC super middleweight world titles in your fourth fight. You defended them successfully in your fifth fight, and now you've just won the IBF and WBA middleweight titles in your sixth pro fight, which simply means six different belts in just six fights. That is truly remarkable. Do you, do you sometimes have to just take a step back and think, wow, I can't believe what I've done. Um, you know what? When you're the person making the history, you don't really think about it. You just kind of focus on the big picture. And the big picture for me is the millions of dollars. And, of <laughs> course, to have the three-division um, world, to be a three-division world uh, champion. So I really can't dwell too much on what I've done right now. You know, it's just another step forward to where I'm, where I'm trying to get to. And I, and I really can't. Uh, I think if I dwell on it now, it'll make me feel like uh, – I've done enough and that what I've done is better than what anybody else has done. So why should I do more when it's more of like I have to keep being in competition with myself, you know, and um, not really dwell on it and just keep looking forward. You know, I'll be able to uh, reminisce and celebrate and everything about what I've done at the end because that's when the celebration really means something to me. That's a brilliant attitude to have. Now, of course, you fought on the same card as Christina Hammer, who is now a big rival of yourself. She, of course, fought on the undercard against a former opponent of yours, the extremely, extremely tough Tory Nelson. Christina was able to beat Tory in similar fashion to the way you did in terms of a wide, unanimous decision win for her. But after your fight, you and Christina Hammer had a little moment. You approached her. You both exchanged words. You actually told me when you last spoke to me that that fight would you know would happen later this year it seems like that will be mm-hmm. the case is that still the case we reckon it's going to happen before the year's up yeah it should it should um i'm i think we're looking at october mid-october end of october are we waiting on um i'm waiting on my manager and them to give me a date and uh long as she agrees to it we should fight i'm not i'm not turning it down 
and hopefully she isn't. She's been able to be ringside three or four of my fights. She should feel comfortable now. She's fought against an opponent that I've fought to see how to try to make herself feel better about how she do against me. So hopefully she shouldn't turn the fight down. And uh, maybe with me getting knocked down, maybe it gave her some more confidence to sign the damn contract and get it done. So I so I think it should happen, and um, it's going to play out the way that I that I've been saying it's going to play out. I'm going to beat her. I'm going to hurt her, and I'm going to dethrone her, and I'm going to be a unified champ at 160. Now that little moment that you had, obviously, you know, it's it's, it's made so much interest because. You know, the women's boxing game doesn't always get the recognition. I don't need to tell you that. You know that yourself. But that little moment there sparks so much interest. Do you believe that's a brilliant thing for women's boxing? Is that something that you think the women's boxing world really needs, stuff like that? Women's boxing needs the same thing that men's boxing need. We need the build-up. We need the promoters. We need the, um, you know, the animosity. You know, and we need the trash-talking just like the men's boxing do. I don't know why they want. Uh, women to be uh, to be ladies out to be ladies outside the ring, but then inside the ring we beast, and then think we can just transform back to being a lady right after the fight. When it's like, no, we're we're we are ladies that box. Period. So there is a there isn't a certain way that a lady should act. I think that women's boxing is missing so much because um, they try to put us inside this box of how we should act and what women do compared to what men do. When it's like, that's not what it's about. This is about boxing. And, and uh, honestly, um, I don't want to see anybody fight who I, uh, who I think are friends. You know, I think you guys are super cool and uh, you guys are so nice to each other. What the hell I want to see you fight for? Like, I want to see somebody who got some beef with, with each other get inside the ring. And I think after the fight that I had with Gabriel's, um, me just talking to Hammer, it's all a mind game. You know, and I wanted to let her know. Um, I you know I, I do want to fight you, and I and and I don't like you, and I don't like the team, and uh, I want to fight you, and that's more of what took a lot of the uh, a lot of interest from people, and uh, bring and it brought a lot of excitement to just women's boxing, and um, that's why 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 my fight had over four hundred and ten k viewers, and uh, that's been the highest at a Showtime edition or. Showtime boxing has got since 2014. So women's boxing do need that, and we need to let women be how they are and express themselves, and that's how we'll sell fights. Like, just how the men got to sell fights, women got to sell the fights too. Absolutely, absolutely. Very well said. Now, I want to ask you, is there a genuine dislike for Christina Hammer, or is it more like the media kind of pitting you both against each other and perhaps influencing some hate between you both, some kind of rivalry? Or is it genuine? Do you, do you have a dislike for her? No, no, no. I and I just tweeted this other day. I love all the girls that box because we all have the same drive in a way. It was a great tweet. You know, we all have the same drive. You know, we have the same drive and we all wanna do better for women's boxing. Like we want women's boxing to be at the top. We wanna be number one. And I respect that from any woman boxer. And I think people get that mixed up with uh being competitive. I'm just super competitive, you know, like I wanna fight the best and uh you know, when it when it comes to fighting, it isn't a friendly game. So no, that no nothing personal for me to have a dislike against her. No, I just think that um we both uh, disrespected each other. You know, I think she disrespected me more, but whatever. And I just feel like that like that comes with being competitive, and and it doesn't have nothing to do with me really disliking her. Like after the fight, 
we can be friends. Like, you know, with Tori Nelson, I think people felt the same way. Like, oh, I really had beef with her. No. Uh, Gabriel, same thing. Like, so when I see them in person, I speak and I, you know, tell them thank you for coming and being and being my opponent. But when you talk about having to fight each other, there isn't a genuine dislike for anybody. I think it's only one girl in boxing who I really just don't like personally, and that's because me and her have had words personally, you know. But as far as in boxing, no. Um, I try to have that little respect for everybody as being an opponent, but it's still competitive. So it's not like a genuine dislike for him or no. Like I wish bad for her or anything. No, I just really want to fight her and I want to beat her. <laughs> so Clarissa, who's this person that you've got the, the genuine dislike for? I I, I hate Raquel Miller. I, I dislike her so much. She's just a terrible person. Um, To me, she's a terrible fighter. And uh, she's just a hater and I don't like her. You know, she was calling me out when I won the second Olympics, and I, then I then I turned pro. We wanted her to fight me three times. She turned it down. She's still fighting six-rounders, and uh, she keeps mentioning my name in every interview. And it's like, shut up and fight. And if you're not going to shut up and if, you, if you're not going to fight, then just stop mentioning me. Like, you know, get on my level. You're still fighting six rounds, and I'm fighting ten. Like, I'm fighting for world titles, and you keep mentioning me. Like, we're not even on the same level of competition. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, you know, the, the American audience really got to get a great look at Christina Hammer um, as a boxer when you both fought on Showtime the other week. I've seen a lot of people actually saying, not a lot, but I've seen a few people actually saying that they'd even possibly tip Hammer to beat you. What is your reaction to that? Have you seen any comments like that online? That's uh, that's their opinion. The, nothing to do with me. And no, I haven't seen it. What I've, what I've seen is that... Um, and, and which is true, Hammer Hammer is too weak for me, and she's too slow. <laughs> she's taller, but um, my if you compare my fight to her fight, I definitely did a better job with Tori Nelson than what she did. And uh, also, Hammer needs to work on her wind. She got very tired against um, Tori Nelson. She did, she did a lot of holding, and uh, and and, uh, and she couldn't put her away, which I couldn't do either. But she couldn't even hurt her. You know, couldn't even sting her. You know, make her legs—I mean, make her legs wobble or 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 anything. She was really just outboxing, and she really did hold a lot during that uh, during that fight with her and Tori Nelson. But I tell you, she had a good jab going on. But Tori Nelson was able to make her miss a lot too. So I really can't. Um, like I said, that's everybody's opinion. I'm glad that she has some um, fans. You know, for somebody to root against me. And root for her because right now 90% are rooting for me. And uh, because they know boxing, they know that I'm one of the greats. And, um, you know, it's whatever. She can have her fans and I'm going to have mine. But the fans can't get in the ring and help you fight. It's going to be me and her in there. And uh, I'm going to give her hell. Absolutely. Now, I was going to ask you when you think your next fight in. I know that you said you believe it will be sometime in October. You're just waiting on a date kind of thing. Um, so you've kind of answered that question there. Coming down to the last couple questions now then, Clarissa, I remember last time, um, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, so you don't have to do this, but I remember last time when we spoke, you, you gave us a brilliant three or four or five seconds of Rihanna. I just wanted to know if you wanted to give us any uh, any of your beautiful vocals this time we speak to you. <laughs> What's some Rihanna songs that I know? It hasn't got to be Rihanna. You can do what you, you can sing Happy Birthday, even though it's not my birthday, whatever you want. <laughs> 
Dang, you caught me at a. Let me look at my song real fast. I don't. I don't know what song to sing yet. Have you ever heard um, Ella May Naked? I don't believe I have. I may if I hear if I if I hear you say it, I might remember it. It doesn't matter. You can you can you can sing anything you like. Okay, I see. I haven't got used to singing yet. No, nah, you don't have having to people listen it. to me. You don't have to. We'll we, we save it next time. Next time, I'm gonna try to work on my voice as well. We do a duet next time. I'm <laughs> for sure. <laughs> now, um, yeah, the, the the final the final real thing I want to ask you, Clarissa, um, yeah. if there is anything that I've missed out at all, if there's anything that you want to get off your chest that I perhaps haven't asked you, you know, just before you go, give give us any mes- any message you like, not just to myself but also to the listeners. Oh, what's everybody listening? I just want to say that um, women's boxing is on a rise, and um, just remember the word fair. You know, whatever you think that men's boxing need, women's boxing need um, also. You know, and that goes with uh, the the commercials that you see when you see the WBC commercials and they showing showing um, all the guys highlights who got WBC belts. Um, sometimes you need to sit there and ask yourself why why aren't there any women in that commercial? Same thing with any other commercials or uh, any other network, you know, and um, that's a woman's boxing need. When you see all these things with with the men, you have to know that that's what we're fighting for. We're not just fighting for equal pay. We're also fighting for equal TV time, equal, um, you know, equal for them to, you know, promote us the same way that they do the men, and that's how women's boxing will even get on the same level um, as the men, and there isn't a certain way that a woman should act. There's so many different personalities and different um, women in this world, and there are some girl boxers that are quiet and humble, like Katie Taylor, and then there are boxers like uh, like myself who are very bold and um, <laughs> out and who are outspoken. Really? And I'm humble at the same time and confident, you know. But um, and then there are just some girls in boxing who are just straight mean. You know they're mean and and they're nasty and they yell and um and you know it's it's all these different kind of girls and it's just about accepting it you know and and uh, stop trying to tell us oh be this be this kind of woman and uh, lastly we we got to get rid of the sex thing you know um selling sex about um you having to be pretty every girl is pretty in her own way but they talking about being pretty and showing skin and all this stuff, and that doesn't have anything to do with boxing. Like, boxing is about fighting. Boxing is about a story, you know, and it's about your story, about your upbringing. So when you're talking about, oh, this uh, oh, this person isn't isn't good at marketing, like, what are you talking about? This is boxing? And if that, and if that girl is a great boxer, she deserves to be on TV, and she deserves to be promoted, and she deserves the big fights, and you shouldn't just be able to get big to get big fights because you think uh, you look good and people want to see you. Because don't, don't nobody who's a boxing fan want to just see a pretty girl. They want to see a pretty girl that can fight. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I think the only... Uh, you know, the only pretty girls that the that boxing fans really care about are the ones that hold the cards, not the ones that put the gloves on. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, too, like, I, I look way different when I'm in... Uh, when I'm in boxing uniforms, you know, and then when I'm just not inside the ring, we look way different. All the girls do. You want somebody to get dolled <laughs> up and everything. You're never going to see me inside the ring wearing some eyelashes. 
<laughs> or like some makeup. It's just it's just not gonna happen. Like I'm getting in the ring with my braids and my and my Carmax and my Vaseline on. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so at Clarissa Shields on Twitter, at Clarissa Shields on Instagram as well. Um Facebook, Clarissa yeah. Shields as well on there? Yep. Okay, Clarissa so. Shields on Facebook too. Excellent. So everywhere at Clarissa Shields, go and check that everybody. And listen, Clarissa, I just want to thank you once again for your time this week. I'd like to wish you the best of luck for what's next in your career. I'm going to be looking out for something in October, hopefully. And of course, we will catch up again um, in the near future as always. Okay, thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But just before we get into that, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Ayaz, bring us in the latest news, my friend. What do you have for us? Huey Fury is set to receive an IBL final eliminator after Jaramella could not agree a deal with fellow heavyweight contender Kubrat Pulev. Yeah, um, some people were really angry about this on Twitter. I couldn't believe it. I was reading some of the tweets and people are saying, oh, Huey Fury's just won a British title. What has he done to deserve a final eliminator shot? Which is crazy to read because it's like some people have really short memory. I mean, like, Huey Fury, in my eyes did enough to beat Joseph Parker. Um, That's just my opinion. I think that he did enough to beat Joseph Parker that night. And credit to both guys there. They're both big friends of the show. They're both friends of mine. But I thought that, you know, it was definitely a very, very close fight. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a you know a fight that Joseph won easily, and like I say, it was for the it was for the heavyweight world title. And if Huey Fury would have won that fight, by the way, he would have been the man in Cardiff on March thirty first of this year against Anthony Joshua on pay per view. By the way, so let's just bear that in mind here. Now Huey Fury, after losing that fight very controversially, drops down a level. And it just so happened that the British title shot was just there for him. It was the right place at the right time. And he went in there and he knocked out the British champion and he's got the belt and he's not looking to defend it. He wants to get back to where he was. So how can we be angry at Huey for that, by the way? I mean, we we moan enough about fighters that don't want to step up. He's trying to get back to world title contention as quick as possible. What is there to moan about? I do not understand that at all. Um, Anyone that's angry about this or think that, you know, that it's unfair. I mean, I just, I just don't understand. That's just crazy. Um, Huey Fury, like I say, he, he, he's next in line because this Pulev and Big Baby Miller fight seems like it's not going to happen. Um, it's a very, very tough fight, I as actually Pulev against Huey Fury if that does end up happening, and it's also, you know. I'm guessing probably going to take place in Bulgaria, which is a very hard place to travel to. Big Baby Miller didn't fancy going over there. Um, it's a hard fight for anyone. I seriously think, guys, that Pulev's got one of the best jabs in heavyweight boxing. I remember him buzzing Vladimir Klitschko in the opening seconds of their fight. Obviously, he went on to lose that fight in the fashion that he did. That's that. But he's a very tough guy. Some people forget about that wicked job he did on Derek Jisora. It's a hard fight for anyone, I think, Kubrat Pulev, even Anthony Joshua. How do you see that fight unfolding, as if it did happen? It would certainly be two real good jabbers in there. Um, I would probably lean towards Fury, as he's the younger younger fighter. Obviously, Pulev's getting quite old, so I thought, yeah, I would lean towards Fury, because he's the more a younger fighter. Yeah, um, that's the one factor that you've highlighted there, actually. Um, Pulev's age, that is something that we do need to bear in mind. He's, I think he's late 30s now, approaching 40s. I know that his younger brother, I think, is 35. He's only had about 10, 11, 12 fights. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah, that's it for that piece of news, Ayaz. Uh, sorry to ramble on. Anything else for us? 
WBA regular bantamweight champ Naya Inouye has been confirmed for season two of the World Boxing Super Series. Yeah, brilliant win that he's coming off over our very own Jamie McDonough. He took away his title, a first round KO there. Um, I'm not really surprised to see him being entered to this tournament. We kind of thought that would happen anyway. Um, also, Nonito Denaire has been put in that tournament. I don't know how he's going to make bantamweight. I really don't. I'm not sure he'll be able to do that. But it's a great opportunity for him to kind of cash out at the end of his illustrious career. He's had a fantastic career, Nonito. So I'm pleased for him to be in there as well. Um, is there any other announcements regarding the World Boxing Super Series or anything I have? Yes. Juan Carlos Payano is the latest addition to also be added to the uh, bantamweight lineup. Okay. A man that... Um, I think Jamie Mack wanted to fight for quite a while, actually. I think he's um, a former belt holder. Is he Is he still a belt holder? I can't remember. I know he certainly used to hold a belt. He's kind of gone quiet a little bit, Payano. Um, for a while, he was, you know, he was being talked about. I think it was when he was taking on Roche Warren and stuff like that. But since then, he's kind of gone underneath the radar a little bit. Um, he's had three fights since that Warren fight, and he's not a current world champion, actually. He's the WBO Intercontinental Bantamweight champion. He won that title back in March of this year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's, it's a decent addition, I guess. Yeah. A deal has been reached for Danny Jacobs to face Sergei Derevchenko for vacant IBF IBF middleweight world champion uh, title. Yeah, a lot of people thought that Daniel Jacobs would try and swerve this fight because this this Sergei Derevchenko he's actually um, you know a bit of a killer from what we're being told. Um, he's, he's a guy that's wasting no time. He's, he's certainly trying to jump up those rankings, and he is doing that. And this is, like you say, a world title fight. So you can't really knock Derevianchenko. I, I like what he's doing. He is 32 years of age, so he's trying to kind of move at a decent speed. But, um, yeah, it's a tough fight. I mean, this guy is 12-0 with 10 knockouts. He's got some real good amateur experience. I think he's fought quite a few decent fighters in the amateurs as well. Um, he was in the 2008 Olympics, which seems like a long, long time ago now. That's when, like, James DeGaulle won his medal and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, he's had a few fights in the WSBs and stuff like that. I think he even beat someone British, I can't remember, but he beat someone in the WSBs that I'm familiar with. But anyway, since he's turned pro, he hasn't really put a foot wrong. He's beat um, Sam Solomon, former world champion. He knocked him out in two rounds. That was back in 2016. That's probably the standout win on his resume. But he has actually beaten quite a few good guys. He hasn't really looked to waste any time, like I say. And Danny Jacobs, who is really at a stage now where, you know, Eddie Hearn signed this big deal with zone. um... Danny Jacobs was and still is at this period as we're talking he's still the only American fighter that has actually put pen to paper with Eddie Hearn so you'd you'd kind of expect him to spearhead what they're trying to do with the zone but this fight could completely 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 pull the rug from under his feet if you like so a real risky fight and I applaud both men for wanting to fight each other but Daniel Jacobs you'd have to say kind of in my opinion anyway, coming to the end of his career. But some would argue that. I mean, he's actually the younger guy, believe it or not. 31 years of age, so they're very close in age, just a few months apart. But, um, yeah, it's a good fight. I mean, we'll certainly see how good Derevianchenko is. He's very experienced, like I say, amateur. Well, not not so much pro, but certainly in the amateur ranks. 
But um, yeah, this is this is pro boxing, and I think that Daniel Jacobs would be a good test for him, and I also think he'd be a good test for Daniel Jacobs. So it's a brilliant fight, and I'm looking forward to it. A date to be announced, and um, yeah, we certainly keep our our ears open as always, and eyes peeled. And finally, Frank Warren has announced a September 15th card at the O2 Arena. Yeah, I think we're we're hearing Billy Joe Saunders will be headlining that card. Um, I'm not quite sure who else is on it. Have they announced any of the undercard fights? I'm guessing it's probably going to be the likes of Anthony Yard and, and Daniel Dubois and those guys. But um, as of right now, I don't think they've announced anything. But that is the date, September 15th. Um, yeah, it's sort of official but unofficial kind of thing. It's going to be at the O2 Arena. And um, strong rumours of it being James DeGale in the other corner. But like I say, we won't rubber stamp that kind of thing because it's not yet official. But we wouldn't be surprised to hear that. Um, that's it, like you say, as for the news, yeah? Yes, that's it for the news. Okay, starting with a card now in the preview part of the show that's actually happening tomorrow. Friday the 13th is rumoured to be an unlucky day. Hopefully not for the home fighters here. This one's happening at York Hall, Bethnal Green, London. We have Tamuka Mucha, 16-1. He's in a four-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. Hamza Shiraz, 3-0. His opponent yet to be announced. Harley Ben, 3-0. His opponent yet to be announced. I've been to all of Harley Ben's fights since he's turned pro. Um, Zach Chelly, he's a man that I like, a real a real good fighter, him, a hard puncher as well, actually. And he took on Adam Jones, that really tough journeyman, really early on. I think it was his third or maybe his second fight, and you've got to give him a lot of credit for that. He's in a four-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. His record 4-0. Boy Jones Jr., 16-1 with one draw. He's in a six-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. Danny Dignam, 6-0. He's in a six-rounder. His opponent yet to be announced. Um, Sammy McNess, 8-1. He takes on Soteris Papa Giorgio, who's 2-1. That is a six-rounder there. Um, and the main event here, Larry Ekendeo, 13-1. His one loss coming to Gary Corcoran in a real good fight at the Copper Box. He takes on John Fain, 17-3. John Fain, a former opponent of Bradley Skeet. And if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't fought since that Bradley Skeet loss. I could be wrong. Let me quickly check that out. Because I think a few people in a row, since they've lost to Bradley Skeet, they haven't fought. And John Fain, yes. Oh no, he's had the one fight, and it was just last month, actually. Um, he beat Chris Jenkinson, the journeyman. He beat him on points over four rounds, so could be a little bit ring rusty there. And Larry Akandeo, um is, is a real good fighter, actually. Not the biggest puncher, but a real good fighter. Um, that should be a decent fight card there at York Hall. Um... Anything else to mention on that? Let me just think. Uh, I don't think there was something. Must oh yeah, I, I will just say Sammy McNess that's fighting on this bill. One piece of news that you forgot to mention, I as um, Asinia Byfield, the only man to have to have beat Sammy McNess in that fight where you know when Asinia Byfield stopped Sammy McNess, a riot erupted in the copper box. It was just incredibly crazy. Well, anyway, Asinia Byfield, he's been wanting that fight against Ted Cheeseman for a long, long time. That fight has now been finalised. A date will be coming for that, I think, in the coming weeks. So that's going to be a cracking fight, by the way, at 154. Um, moving over now to Germany. One fight to mention. This one's happening, or two fights to mention. This one's happening on Saturday. Um, we have... 
on the undercard, Zach Parker, our very own Zach Parker, the prospect that's signed to Sauerland Promotions. His record 15-0. He takes on Gerd Ajetovic, who's 31-17. and That is an eight-rounder there. Um... This guy, Ajetovic, I mean, I'd like to see Zach Parker step it up because he's looked amazing, by the way. He's only young. There's no real need to, to rush him. He's only just last month turned 24 years of age. He's a big puncher, and I really, really like the look of him, to be honest. But I want to see him in there with some of the, you know, some of the more kind of known guys. But the one thing I will say about his opponent here, even though he's lost 17 fights, he's never, ever, ever been stopped. And he's 37 years of age. And he's actually, in his last fight coming off a loss over points against Sakio Bika, former world champion. So that is something that would be interesting to see how Zach Parker gets on with him. He's also took on the likes of Dmitry Chudinov, Giovanni De Carolis. He's also took on um, a few other guys here and there. Matthew Macklin being one of them. Daniel Gill, when Daniel Gill was 18-0 and 0 back in 2008. Boy, oh boy, this guy's been around the block. Great fight there for, for Zach Parker. I take back my words. Um, also on the bill, we have Tyrone Zoiga, 22-0 with one draw. He puts his WBA World Super Middleweight title on the line against Rocky Field in 26-1. Tyrone Zoiga, as we've seen him in there with Paul Smith, he takes on another scouser here in Rocky Fielding, whose only loss came to Paul Smith's brother. It is quite confusing. Rocky Fielding looked bad against Callum Smith, Ayers, but since then, and even before then, he's looked a quality operator. But Tyrone Zoiga, He's, he's that slight level up at the moment. A good fight, though. I'm actually very pleased for Rocky to get this chance. Um, yeah, how do you see it happening? We've gone to the you know the prediction league on this also. Um, I think it's a good fight, but I think personally, from my opinion, um, if I'm going to have to go for a win, I'm going to have to go with um, uh, Zoyga on points. I think uh, Rocky Field is good. He's good, but I don't think he's at world level. He's not a world level fighter, from my opinion. And I think Zoyga will beat him on points. Yeah, that is what the listeners have gone with. Zoiger on points, 40%, and Fielding by knockout, 25%. We do certainly want to see Fielding emerge the victor, but it will be hard to win on points in Germany, I believe. I think the knockout is probably his only chance. Um, saying that, I don't think it really matters where the the judging or the scorecards are at the moment. It seems like we're having bad results here, there, and everywhere, even in Britain. So um, I don't think that... The fact it's in Germany is going to make much of a difference, but I still think it's a hard place to travel to and win against a man that's got the support that Zoiger's got. Um, one thing I will say, I mean, Zoiger, he did look like he was in trouble once or twice against Paul Smith. I mean, that is at a little bit of a push, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, obviously Rocky Fielding's a hard puncher, but I think you'd have to favour Zoiger I guess so I think I'm going to go with Zoiger on points Ayers. we can't be split on that one me, you or the listeners um, moving over now to a card that's happening at the Lakefront Arena in New Orleans, Louisiana USA, it's going to be shown on ESPN this one um, one or two fights to mention. Eric DeLeon, his record 17-0 with one draw. He's a prospect to look out for. He's in a 10-rounder against Adrian Young, who's 25-4 and four with two draws. But the main event, really... Oh, in fact, no, I'm going to mention this one. Jean Rivera, 13-0, another prospect to look out for. He's in a 10-rounder against Viriel Simeon, who we know very well. His record 21-2 and two is two losses. One was against Scott Quigg in a real good fight, and one was against Lee Selby, so... 
yeah, it'd be interesting to see how Jean Rivera gets on. Certainly a measuring stick fight there. But the main event, Regis Prograde, 21-0. He puts his interim WBC World Super Lightweight title on the line against Juan Velasco, 20-0. Both undefeated here. Combined records of 41-0. A 12-rounder, of course. The winner goes into the 140 edition of the World Boxing Super Series. Ayaz, we've gone to the predictions. How do you see this one unfolding? Um, Regis Progress. I, I'm, I'm going to go with Regis Progress on points because um, I don't really know much about him, but if I have to, I'll go with the, with the points to Progress. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, guys, if you don't know too much about this guy, certainly tune in on, on Saturday. He's a man that I believe would would probably give um, Josh Taylor his, his toughest fight at 140. Um, yeah, I think I think you might take a bit of an L with that prediction. I has on points. I'm going with a knockout for Regis Progress. So are the listeners. Pretty confident with that one. Moving over now to the final bill, though, to mention it's happening on. Well, it says Sunday, but really it's Saturday night. I know it starts. I think at two in the morning on Box Nation. It's happening at the Ishatia Arena in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. It is a Manny Pacquiao Promotions card. MP Promotions, once again, the promoter of the show is fighting in the main event. So, we have Carlos Canizales, 20-0 with one draw. This is crazy, guys. Listen to this. Carlos Canizales, 20-0 with one draw. He puts his WBA World Light Flyweight title on the line against a guy called Bin Lu who is only 1-0, which sounds crazy. So this guy who's 1-0, if he wins, he wins a world title quicker than Lomachenko. He's got one fight under his belt. It was a knockout in the third round. It was a 10-rounder that he jumped straight in against, and it was against a guy who was 8-9. and nine. So he hasn't actually beaten or even fought anyone with a winning record, and here he is fighting for the world title. He's a 23-year-old Chinese fighter, and... Um, he was in the Olympics in 2016, and he lost in the quarterfinals, I believe. But anyway, like I say, all the very best to Bin Lu. Can he become a world champion in just his second fight? Carlos Canizale is a good fighter, though. 20-0 with 16 by knockout, one draw on his record. Um, it's certainly, he's got the decent names on there as well. Ryochi Taguchi, a draw with him. Um, should be interesting that one, but the main event really, because there's not too much, even though there's a, there's a couple of world title fights to be honest, but against guys that I've never heard of, so excuse my ignorance for some of these lower weights here. Um, the main event I has, let's waste no further time, Lucas Matisse, 39-4, and four, puts his WBA World Welterweight title on the line against Manny Pacquiao, 59-7 and seven with two draws. If Lucas Matisse wins, that's win number 40 for him. If Manny Pacquiao wins, it's win number 60 for him. Unbelievable. Um, this fight here, I ask, I mean, let's be honest, Manny Pacquiao's not himself. He's he's not the old version of Manny Pacquiao. He hasn't got a knockout for years and years and years now. Lucas Matisse, to be honest, he's probably not what he once was, really. He didn't look great in his last fight until he got the knockout when he beat that um, the, uh, the, the unbeaten. I think he was the unbeaten... Asian fighter, can't remember his name now, but he didn't look great in that fight, Lucas Matisse, till the knockout came, and um, it, it just makes this fight quite hard to pick a winner, because I would have certainly said Manny Pacquiao, easy points win a few years ago, but now, I'm not quite sure, that Manny Pacquiao that we saw against Jeff Horn was not a good fighter, was, wasn't even really an average fighter, to be honest, he lost clearly that night for me. Well, to be honest, like, 
um, I know this is gonna be a, this is quite a good fight. Also, Matisse is a very big puncher. Pacquiao's got very good speed. Um, obviously, Pacquiao's aging, in my opinion, a lot. Uh, Matisse, Matisse, obviously, just won a fake, fake and belt. Um, obviously, we saw Pacquiao last fight against Jeff Ford, where, in my opinion, I think he actually won the fight. And I think personally, I think he got robbed. Um, I know Matisse is a very good fight. It's a 50-50 fight, but if I'm gonna have to go with the winner, I'm gonna go with Pacquiao on points. I think Pacquiao's gonna reclaim that belt, which I think, in my opinion, is a bit crazy. But I think, I think. If Pacquiao wins that fight, he may fight Amir Khan next. Yeah, I I actually, I mean, I would love to see that fight, even though it's a few years too late, in my opinion. I would love to see that fight. Um, yeah, he has to get through Lucas Matisse first. Uh, Manny Pacquiao himself, who was once known as a one-punch knockout artist, um, certainly a man that would overwhelm a guy and stop him. He hasn't got a knockout since 2009 against Miguel Cotto in the 12th and final round there that just seems like such a long time ago now almost nine years ago Lucas Matisse a knockout in his very last fight Lucas Matisse 36 knockouts from 39 wins um I I just really struggle to pick a winner here I wouldn't be surprised with any outcome I don't think Lucas Matisse will win on points I think we can rule that one out eyes I don't see him winning on points especially as Manny Pacquiao's promoting the card, by the way. Um, he's the one paying the judges, you know, legally. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with a Manny Pacquiao points win. I don't think he'll stop Lucas Matisse. I don't think he'll be able to do that. You know, he hasn't looked great lately, and he hasn't got a knockout for almost nine years. I don't think he gets it against Lucas Matisse, who's a tough guy to give him some credit. Um, and Lucas Matisse... His only chance is knocking Pacquiao out, and it'll be a real sad way for Pacquiao to end his career if he went out, you know, getting knocked out in Malaysia against Lucas Matisse. I don't think, I don't think his career ends like that. I think he probably wins and unbelievably becomes a world champion for about the 29th time. Um, a points win for me, as um, the the listeners have gone with Pacquiao on points also. So we've all gone Pacquiao on points. We've all gone Zoiga on points. And we've only been split on the pro-grey fight. You've gone with pro-grey on points. Me and the listeners, pro-grey by knockout. But that really concludes the previewing. We've brought you guest number one. We brought you the reviewing. We brought you the latest news. We've just finished the previewing. The last thing to do just before we wrap up the show is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated super lightweight prospect, Mr. Mario Barrios. Mario, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure, sir. So, Mario, it's the first time that you've been on this show. Uh, of course, in the UK, you're not a huge name, not just yet. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're looking to make that your go, I'm sure, in the future. I just want to ask you, for those that may not know, uh, you know, your journey, how you got into boxing in the very beginning, how did it all start for you, Mario? Oh, um... It's a funny story, actually. My uh, my mother, she actually took me and my older sister uh, to the gym when I was six and my sister was nine. And, I mean, that's how we got started. And, uh, I mean, we went fighting throughout the amateurs. And then uh, that led me to turning pro at, at 18. And my sister turned pro um, maybe two, two or three years after that. 
So at this point, of course, you've managed to compile a record thus far of 21-0, 13 by knockout. You've fought some steady opposition, not really the big names, but some of the guys that you've fought, you know, some of the guys that we've seen in with various other prospects. I'm talking about the Yardley Cruises, the Jose Rodriguez's, and a few others. However, you've you've been very impressive against some of these guys. Looking down your record, I've, I've probably identified Devis Boschiero as the toughest opponent, a solid European fighter. You completely, completely shut him out and dropped him in the 12th and final round. But tell me, champ, was he your toughest fight thus far? Uh, I've, I've had uh, a couple of tough fighters, but Devis um, Boschetto, he was definitely you know, one of the ones who um, he, he tested me in the ring because uh, that was my very first time going 12 rounds. I mean, and he, you know, he carried me the whole 12 rounds. So, I mean, I really had to learn you know, how to pace myself because uh, I jumped from fighting eight rounds straight to the 12. I mean, it was, it was a great learning experience. I mean, he was a real tough fighter. He was short, you know, he really made me have to, like, he made me really have to box, you know, like, using my range and everything. So, I mean, it was, it was a great learning experience. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've had uh, several, you know, tough, very, really tough opponents that have tested me. Okay. Yeah, no, he's a guy that's certainly been around the block, and, um, you know, the way you beat him was so impressive. Um, in your last fight, I mean, they actually showed your last fight on the TV over here. You fought, of course, Yudi Bernardo. You know, you looked extremely good in that fight, and the finish was excellent. Speaking of excellent finishes, though, Mario, I think your sister had a slightly better finish in her fight on the weekend. Would you agree? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, my sister, I mean, she fought, um, I, I eat a lady sponsor, you know, from Kazakhstan. Um, I think she trains out of Los Angeles now, but I mean, she was a very tough opponent. You know, they were calling her the female Triple G. And I mean, my sister, you know, took her out, you know, in stunning fashion, you know, like, I mean, you, you don't see many knockouts like that. You know, the females, I mean, so I mean, like, I mean, her knockout was, you know, by far one of the best knockouts, you know, I've seen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we were proud to stream your sister's fight on our website, giving the UK viewers a chance to tune in and watch a night of boxing. Your sister, of course, is now 4-0 as a pro. Tell me, Mario, are you nervous when you're watching your sister fight from ringside, or are you able to remain calm? <laughs> I wish I could remain calm. Um, man, I, every time I'm working in a corner, I mean, I got so much anxiety. You know, I, I can't even sit still in the corner. It's crazy because, I mean, I don't even get like that for my fight. But I mean, uh, I mean, I, me and my sister have trained together, you know, like ever since we first started. I mean, we we do very well, you know, when you know when when we're around each other. And I mean, I mean, I feel very comfortable in her corner. And I mean, I I can only hope, you know, that she feels the same. Yeah, very well said. I remember just after the fight finished, you climbed up on the, uh, you know, up up onto the canvas, and you had a brilliant, very wide smile. You were very pleased, a very pleased brother there um, on on the weekend. Now. Obviously, she's a couple of years older than you. Now, I'm wondering, did you guys get on well when you were growing up, or did you ever used to clash? Did you ever used to fight? And if so, did she even get the better of you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we've always had a very close relationship. You know, I think I can, you know, I can really say, you know, my sister is one of my, like, one of my best friends. You know, I can go to her for anything, you know. Uh, like I said, we've always had a super close bond. But yeah, I mean, growing up, you know, I mean, she definitely gave it to me probably all the way up until I was like 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Excellent, man. Excellent. Now, it's brilliant that you've got the closeness because that's so important with two siblings, of course. Um, but yeah, huge, a huge shout out to Selena Barrios. Moving back onto you now, though, Mario. You've you've turned pro pretty much. Um, you know, you, you've done. You haven't really put a foot wrong. When you turned pro, though, I was shocked. I was having a look today just to make sure um, that I was that I was on track. And you you basically turned pro as a super bantamweight, which is incredible because obviously you're you're five foot ten and a half, if I'm not mistaken. You've since moved all the way up to super lightweight, which is quite a big move up. I just want to ask you: Will you definitely be staying at super lightweight for when the title fights start coming round? Yeah, I mean, as of right now, you know, that's the goal. Um, but, I mean, like, as as you know, you know, I turned pro at one, you know, super bad weight. And, I mean, it, I mean, at the time, I mean, it's crazy because I was just making the weight naturally. And then just, you know, like, fight after fight, you know, it got a little bit harder. So we moved up to, you know, featherweight and super featherweight. And then uh, we jumped straight from you know, 130 to 140. But, um, I mean, we're definitely, you know, we're going to stay on at super lightweight as long as we can, you know. Um, like hopefully, you know, I can get, I can fight for several titles at this weight, you know, before I move up. But I mean, it's, it's all, you know, we we just have to see with time, you know, if I continue to grow, we're not going to force myself to make this weight, you know, where I could potentially hurt myself. I mean, so we can only see with time. And of course, you're actually ranked at number four in the in the world with the WBA. The champion right now, Kirill Relic. Um, he and his mandatory Troyanovsky, I believe it is, have both entered the World Boxing Super Series tournament. You're still so young, though. I mean, when do you feel is the right time for these step ups? Because obviously, you know, being ranked so highly, we see it a lot with guys that are ranked so highly that are still kind of learning on the job. And it's like it's a great ranking to have, but sometimes it's a little bit too early kind of thing you know where are you with all that you know how soon will we see you stepping up not perhaps right up to world level but you know up into some of the, the fights with the bigger named guys i mean uh, you know, of course as being a fighter you know the training all the time you know you you want to hurry but you know get the belt you know that's what everyone dreams of but i mean i have a great um managerial team behind me you know with Luis Cuba, bob santos and uh, al Heyman. And I mean, um, they're guiding me the right way right now, you know, I mean, maybe within the next year, uh, maybe a year and a half, you know, like we look to be contending for a title. But I mean, um, like, like you said, I mean, I'm only 23. I just turned 23 in May, you know, so there's, there's no rush with this. I mean, we know I have plenty of time in this sport and um, we're going to take our time and, um, and, and move the right way. Yeah, for sure. Now, your next fight will be happening in just over two weeks' time in California on the undercard of Mikey Garcia versus Robert Easter Jr. You'll be taking on a guy called Jose Roman, a man with a record of 24-2 and with one draw. Once again, on paper, it's another step up, but a step up that I have no doubt you'll come through with flying colors. Do you know much about your opponent here, Mario? Um, I don't know much about him. I mean, I've seen, you know, some footage. I mean, um, I talked with, you know, a couple of fighters that I know that, that know, like, that know him personally that have worked with him. I mean, we know, you know, for sure this is, you know, most likely going to be, you know, my toughest fight to date. I mean, um, we, we know, you know, he's a great body puncher, you know, he's, he has a good height himself. And, um, I mean, and, you know, I mean, he packs a punch, you know, like most of his victories have come by knockout. I mean, so we're expecting, you know, and um, a very explosive fight. Now, you're coming off five knockouts in a row yourself. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about in boxing, there's this, this mythical thing called man strength. Obviously, you're only, you're only 23, just turned, like you said. 
Do you believe in man strength? If so, have you hit it yet? Because coming off of five knockouts in a row, certainly impressive, especially as your you know your opposition's just getting better and better all the time, and you're managing to find the knockout time and time again now. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you know, like um, once you hit a certain age, you know, in your twenties, you know, you hit you know different kind of man strength. Um, I'm not sure if I'm hitting it yet or not. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's showing a lot of my fights, you know, that I'm feeling strong. But I feel like a lot of that is just the fact that I'm at a very comfortable weight. You know, like so I'm in the fight at 140 now, you know, especially with my size. I feel like I'm filling out into this weight very well. And, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, some fighters, you see, you know, when, when they get to the later 20s, even early 30s, they just start packing you know, a, a, a hell of a punch. And I mean, uh, if, if I'm getting to that stage, you know, I, I can only hope I am. <laughs> And I want to ask you, Mario, do you watch do you watch fighters at all? Do you like to I know that you said that you've watched a little bit of footage of your opponent, but I mean like do you like to study some of the guys that that, that are fighting now or perhaps maybe some of the guys that are retired now? Who do you like to watch if you if you do indeed like to watch anyone? Um, I like to watch, you know, a, a lot of fighters, you know, just I mean I mean I, I like being a student of the of the game, you know, especially in I mean, with, you know, all the big fights that are happening that are upcoming, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of fighters like I enjoy watching, you know, have been you know, with actual uh, PBC themselves, you know, the stable mates of mine, like the, the Charlo brothers, Errol Spence, uh, Arizona Lada, I mean, uh, Caleb Plant. I mean, a bunch of these guys, you know, I'm always around, you know, I really enjoy watching them, you know, you know and seeing them and their success. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of good fighters there to, to keep an eye on. Now, obviously, you're fighting out of Texas. Who are some of the guys that fight out of your, your same gym, Mario? Um, there's, well, we have a few uh, professional fighters uh, in our gym. I mean, in, in San Antonio in general, I mean, it's it's run out, it's growing for boxing. I mean, we have several, you know, rising prospects that are coming out of San Antonio. You know, so all of them really good friends of mine. Like Hector Tanahara, I mean Joshua Franco, Ben Rodriguez. Um, I mean, there's there's plenty, and when we have some professionals out of our gym in San Antonio, um, in in its own, you know, like like my sister and a few other fighters. Yeah, um, those three guys that you named there, Bam Rodriguez, Joshua Franco, and Hector Tanahara, I wasn't sure 100% if they were from the same gym as you, but they were the three guys I was thinking of. Hector's also been on this show before, a good a good fighter, one, one to certainly keep an eye on also. Um, I want to ask you, Mario, have you sparred any of the big-name professionals since turning pro? Yeah, I mean, uh, just being out here, you know, I train out here in the Bay Area, I, um, Oakland, you know, with Virgil Hunter. I mean, just being out here, you know, I've got tremendous work, you know. I, you know, and over here in the gym, you know, I, I stepped in there, you know, with, uh, with I've had the pleasure of sharing the ring with Amir Khan, you know, Levan Gavami Chava, the Wolf. Um, I mean, so many, you know, the guys that have been out there at that level already, like my dad, you know, Sam Orchard-Newick, I believe, is how you pronounce it. But, I mean, I've gotten tremendous work out here, you know, like just learning on the job with uh, fighters that have, been at that top level i never knew that you'd done some rounds with amir khan i want to ask you mario what's what's his speed really like <laughs> <laughs> no i mean his speed is definitely you know it's a force to be reckoned with i mean I, it took me by surprise you know because i always thought i had speed and then finding someone like him you know who throws you know 
five, seven punch combinations, all with speed and like with like oh, the snapping punches. I mean, it, it really caught me by surprise at first. But I mean, after sharing, you know, the, the ring with him a few times during his fall, you know, I mean, it, it was still, it was really hard to catch on. But I mean, I was, I was trying to get the hang of it as best as I could. Yeah, excellent, man, excellent. I mean, sparring guys like that, it's only going to make you come on even more. Um, coming down to the last couple questions now, Mario. In the 140 division, obviously, um, well, most people, they've they've kind of got two guys as the number one and number two who they believe are the two best fighters in that division. And those two guys are Jose Ramirez and Regis Progre. Who do you identify as the best fighter out of those two guys? A lot of people are very split. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, both of those fighters, you know, they're at, uh, at the top of the division right now for a reason. Um, and I mean, it's styles make fights. And I think, you know, to really get, you know, like who the best fighter is, you know, you really have to, I mean, the fight has to be made. I mean, you guys, I mean, it, you know, who's a great boxer puncher. Then you, you have, uh, Regis progress, you know, he's at times he boxes, but I mean, he packs a, like a, a hell of a punch. I mean, so, you know, both fighters, you know, they, they have their strength. And, I mean, you really just have to, you know, wait for the fight, you know, to see how both of those fighters match up with each other. Yeah, fair point. But a brilliant fight. Hopefully it does happen at some point, especially while they're both um, undefeated at the moment. Now, I like to ask this question, Mario, but I understand, obviously, you know, you're very young. You may not have much of a knowledge on some of the UK fighters, but I do like to ask... Who's your favorite UK fighter, Mario, if you have one, of all time? I mean, it can still be a guy boxing now. It can be a guy that's retired years ago. Like I said, I don't know what your knowledge is on UK boxing. But if you have one, let us know. I kind of goes back to you know, the question of fighters I've stepped in the ring with. You know, I've actually, uh, I forgot it's in my mind. I've had the pleasure of sharing the ring with Ricky Burns. Uh, I mean, he was a fighter, you know, I've enjoyed watching. I mean, of course, I mean, American, I mean, before I even came out here to the Bay and started working alongside of, with him, I mean, I always enjoy watching him, you know, even from the Olympics. So those are your, your two kind of main guys? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good two. Obviously, you got Anthony Joshua. Everyone seems to like him. Are you a fan of him as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy watching, you know, the, um, the heavyweight fights. I mean, one of my really good friends, you know, trains out here alongside with me too, uh, Tony Yoka. I mean that's the, that's his weight division. I mean, so I mean, in, in the heavyweights right now, I'm, I'm rooting for uh, for Tony Oka. But I mean, I, I I enjoy watching Joshua fight. You know, he's very you know, with those guys is you know a, any punch you know can hurt you. Like that's what's so exciting about that weight class. Yeah, Tony Oka just beat a, a British fighter um, just recently, Dave Allen, a friend of the show. But that's another story. Um, and finally, Mario, just before I let you go, I wanted to give you an opportunity just to to let the listeners know uh, your you know your social media handles. Where can they follow you to you know to be a part of that journey to jump on the bandwagon and watch you progress to the top? Yeah, I mean, anyone you know they want to keep up with my fights or just I mean, me in general, you know, they could follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's going to be boxer underscore barrios. That's B A R R I O S. Absolutely, boxer underscore barrios on both Instagram and Twitter. Excellent stuff. But listen, Mario, it's been my pleasure interviewing you, sir. I'd like to thank you for your time. I'd like to wish you the absolute best of luck for July twenty eighth, and I'm sure that we'll catch up again sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 143 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the undefeated super lightweight prospect, Mario Barrios, and the undefeated four-belt world champion, Miss Clarissa Shields. Whilst we've been recording this show, news has emerged that Tyson Fury's next opponent will be the two-time heavyweight world title challenger and former cancer patient, Mr. Francesco Pianetta. Francesco's a man that's been around for a very long time. He boasts a record of 35-4 and four with one draw. He actually once upon a time took the O from Johan Duapus. He beat our very own Max Skelton. Um, he drew with Albert Sosnowski. He beat Oliver McCall, funny enough, a guy that we were mentioning earlier on in the show. He beat Franz Bofa also, a former opponent of Mike Tyson, I remember. And his first loss came in 2013 to Vladimir Klitschko, a sixth round KO there the first loss, like I say, on Francesco Pianetta's record, and his three losses after that were against Ruslan Shagaev in 2015 for the WBA World Heavyweight title, where he got stopped in the first round, and then his other two losses were against Kevin Kingpin Johnson, a man that we mentioned earlier also, that was in 2017, and Peter Mylas, just last month, actually. It's a decent but steady step up for Fury. I'm not really complaining, to be honest. This fight will be happening on August the 18th in Windsor Park, Belfast, um, perhaps this guy would have been a perfect kind of guy to come back to in that first comeback fight for Fury. Um, you know, I know that Eddie Hearn wanted him to take on someone like a Travis Kaufman. I think this guy kind of is the same sort of caliber of opponent. No disrespect to Travis Kaufman, of course. But yeah, the biggest thanks of all, as every week, goes out to you, the listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Please remember, if you do get a chance to leave us a review on iTunes, enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next week.